Hello, I'm Fern Cotton and this is Happy Place, a little safe space that we've made for people to come and share how they cope out there in the real world. Oh, today my guest is the wonderful Philip Schofield. You know, the loop is you have to come out. This is the only thing that can save you. You have to come out. You can't come out. You can't come out. What are you going to do to the family? What will you do to your wife? What, what, how can you possibly come out? You have to come out. You can't come out. You have to. You can't. All night, all night, round and round and round and round, looking at every conceivable part of this loop. Now, I know Philip needs no introduction whatsoever, but for the sake of our ever-growing international listeners, Philip has been on British TV since the early 80s, moving from children's TV to prime time, as well as hosting This Morning for nearly two whole decades. And it was on that very show, back in March, that Philip announced to millions that with the strength and support of my wife, Stephanie, and my daughters, I've been coming to terms with the fact that I am gay. There's been a huge outpouring of love for him since then, but this is the first podcast interview that he's given. I feel really honored about that, and I can't wait to share it with you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, should we do this? Here's the show. Philip, it's so lovely to see you face to face. I'm so glad that this isn't on Zoom yeah, and that we too. are socially distanced. I'm today. so over all of that. So over all of that. Um, I worked out we've known each other about 20 years now. Is that how long it is? Good heavens. I know. What's well, our finest? Our finest moment, I think, would be at Buckingham Palace. Oh, it's so weird because. The majority of times I've seen you has been in the presence of royalty. <laughs> Every time I see you, are in some sort of royal lineup or doing a prince's trust thing. We ended up, um, and we ended up in front, having met the Queen in a private meeting. Oh, I know. Away from everybody else, and neither of us could quite understand how that had happened. And then the doors opened, and the Queen is behind us, and we're desperately trying to get out of her way. Yeah. It was, the whole thing was beyond She's behind awkward. us again. She's behind us again. She's behind us again. <laughs> Didn't she say she was a huge fan of Dancing on Ice or something on that occasion? She was a, a big fan of one of your shows she was saying to you. I think, it, I think she was across this morning. I think she was across this morning. I love that the Queen's yeah. watching this morning. I mean, I don't know whether that's true. Or she was just well briefed. She was just well, well briefed, I'm sure. Although, Denise, the lovely, lovely late Denise Robertson met her. And something along the lines of she, Denise started to explain what she did. And the Queen said, I know. So I think, uh, I think she, oh. you know, so she knew, knew Denise. She knows. Yeah. She knows it all. Yeah. Um, I sent you a rambling voice note at the you weekend. Did, which because, was really very, very sweet. Well, God, I knew your book was going to be wonderful. But um, I, first of all, couldn't put it down because of several reasons. It's unbelievably honest and brave and also just all of the great 
geeky TV stuff. So it was just for me like the perfect book and, and I loved reading it. It's obviously such an intimate endeavour writing a book. I've, mm. I've been through the process myself several times and then you've got to release the yes. bloody thing. So how are you feeling at this stage ahead of publication? Um, honestly, I'm actually quite scared mm. because it's a, it's, I haven't done it before. Um, and I didn't actually think that I was ever going to do it anyway. And it was only the circumstances that we all found ourselves in. Um, and I thought, well, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, I, I wrote the first chapter in 2017. And that was un- because of pressure from my office, our office, who said, um, you know, you, so many people saying they want you to write, you want you to write your story, you want you to write your story. And I'd always said, no, I don't really think so, because in the latter years, I knew where I'd have to take it. And then in 2017, in the, in the summer, in Portugal, um, with Steph, and I wrote the first chapter and sent it to them. I don't know why I did it, but I wrote the first chapter and sent it to them. And they all went, oh, my God, you have to write, you have to finish this. You have to finish this. And I went back under a stone mm. and I didn't think about it at all. And then everything happens, you know, life happens. And as anyone who reads the book will know, the event happens because that's what we all called it, still call it. And I ended up locked down and doing this morning, thank goodness, doing this morning in the mornings, which saved my sanity. Because bear in mind, I came out on the 7th of February and then three, four weeks later, we're locked down. Mm. And as I've joked in there, you know, I come out and the world goes in. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, what are the chances of that? I know. What are the chances? I mean, what a year yeah. for you personally. Globally, we're all going through it. And, and, and you're going through your own situations as well. And you've had this, I imagine, catharsis in, in writing this book. Yeah. And, and, and well, there, there was a catharsis. Certainly, it was fun to write it down. Um, and it was fun to until the the last two or three chapters uh, which was not a lot of fun um but but how do I feel now having done it it's you know it was weird to get it as a as a thing as a touchable thing because it's always just been notes on my laptop you know written on my laptop and then suddenly it it exists and you think uh, when it came the other day by courier first ever copy that I'd seen and I looked at it and thought oh my god it's real mm. you've done this you've mm. really done this and what's more you're gonna have to talk about it yeah I mean this is the next stage of it and it's so, you know I've felt like that even doing the audio version of a book you <gasps> write it and then having to say it aloud it is a beautiful painful full circle process of mm. writing it and then I always get the worst sore throat after doing an audio book because it's almost like you are exorcising everything it's coming out of you and you're 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 speaking your truth and you're, it's very real going through that process. Well, the audio book was something that I, I was dreading. Yeah. Um, uh, actually quite scared of it. And Michael Joseph, who are the publishers, who are just the sweetest, kindest, nicest people, um, said, don't worry, don't worry, we'll make sure you're okay. And I arrived at the audio book studios in Tottenham Court, just off Tottenham Court Road. And there was a lovely engineer stroke producer called Joss, and Josh sat me down and said, I've read the last three chapters. And he said, I you know, figure that's where 
we're going to have our issues. So I said, yeah, possibly. And, um, and, it, and, and so he said, listen, we're both in this together. He said, I'll look after you. There's no problem. There were times when I was sobbing in the booth and he said, uh, right, okay, let's stop now. Let's, mm. I'll make you a cup of tea. And so it was tough to say out loud. And there were bits that surprised me when I read them out loud. Not actually the things that you would expect, but the big moments in my life. You know, the radio, the, the, when, you, when you've been a kid and you have run down to the end of Fistral Beach in your bare feet to watch the Radio 1 Roadshow set up, because I was always the first one there to, to watch it set up every year. And then I got into hospital radio and I, and I had a reason to interview the DJs. I interviewed Paul Burnett and... Um, and so that was such a it was the circus coming to town and then years later radio one say do you want to do the road show from newquay and it was like and when i read that out loud it made me cry because it was such a big moment for me yeah of course and i was so fascinated because you know like me from a very young age you had this bizarre obsession with radio and tv and at that point i guess when you're a kid you don't even know why you mm. just had there's a pull towards the magic of it and, and you want in but you don't know if that's ever going to happen but it becomes an acute focus there's one thing really wanting to do something and it's another to be naturally good at it did you have an inkling that that your skill set just who you are as a person would lend itself to doing that not a clue so it was just bloody good luck that you could it, do well, it. Oh, I mean, how much of what we do is luck? Oh, I mean, completely. But I think the, you seemed, from reading the book, so comfortable in front of a camera from day one. You know, no nerves and just at peace in front of a camera. And I think that's very special. Uh, it's never intimidated me. I've never felt intimidated. I mean, when things go wrong, suddenly you and I, you're on a heightened state of alert. Um but it's, I don't think I've ever, I've ever felt intimidated by a camera, probably because I practiced so much. I sat mm. so much and I talked to myself for hours, you mm. know, presenting things to cardboard boxes. Yeah, I used to make radio shows on cassette with my cousins and boss, <laughs> they would be like the weather person, a small part, <laughs> and I would be the anchor of the show. But then in comparison, when you were in theatre, you you've revealed that you had huge imposter syndrome being in that space. Oh, massively. Because... TV and radio, I had this sort of strange relationship with, and I still don't know which one I love the most. But um, the theatre was not a plan. Uh, radio and TV were definitely, the, they were the only plan. If I didn't do one of those, I didn't, don't know what I would have ended up doing. But the theatre was a shock that came out of nowhere. And it's not just any old theatre. So the first time, I, I mean, I, was a, I went from being a, a mouse to Prince Charming in our school panto. But other than that... Um, oh, by the way, Andrew Lloyd Webber's asked if you'd like to be Joseph on stage at the London Palladium, you know, one of the most famous theatres in the world. Mm. Two and a half thousand people. Are you joking? <laughs> and it took, you know, I, I said, I don't know whether I can, I, I can do this. Um, and it was the people around me, and principally Steph, actually, who said, well, don't you decide whether you think you can do it. Let them tell you whether they think you can do it. Um, and then they did and said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We think you can but even after all of those shows you still now have this sort of background fear of of singing out loud Uh, absolutely yeah how funny i can't i i really struggle i get no enjoyment out of it whatsoever wow because i tell the the last time i sang out loud was on uh saturday night takeaway Mm. for the boys and only the boys would get me to do it there's no other no other people very persuasive on 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 the telly live on the telly as the big finale of their set to come out and and sing i was galvanized with utter terror 
Um, and I thought, you know, you get no enjoyment out of this. Mm. Why are you doing this? Yeah. And I wish I did. Mm. I well, wish you're good I enjoyed at it. About- so it is a shame. That, <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's funny because I feel like that about parts of my career, which I've fallen not out of love with, but just there's too much fear surrounding some parts of it. And I don't think it's worth it. I don't Wh- think it's which worth it. Which bits for you? Um, I guess if I'm really honest, it's stuff that hasn't come from me. Because when I'm working for other people, I never feel like I'm doing good enough. I'm always um, living up to someone else's expectations. Whereas with my own projects, I think I know what I'm capable of and I know what I could do here. So I feel really liberated. Mm. So it's, I've gone a bit too far down that road, perhaps. But, you know, we'll see. It's, it's, it's all a, a big learning curve. Um, I want to start right at the beginning of the book because there were so many fascinating bits in the prologue. And what, there was a couple of lines that really stuck out. One was that you really seem keen, well, you, you express it, to show people the real you. And it's a question I think many of us ask ourselves. I certainly do. You know, who am I? Who am I? Sometimes I have clarity over it. Other times I'm, I'm lost in the roles and the responsibilities and I, I sort of forget. And I wonder if sat here today you know who you are you feel like you really know what you're about and who you are as a person that's a really interesting question because I have a feeling that if I sit here now I probably know less of who I am than I than I did before this is my life and my head there's no question I I have pressed the nuke button um as I say um and I am still learning what that means I'm still learning what effects that has on my life and the life of those around me. And, and all I, all I care about are the people that I love. All I care about are Steph and the girls and, you know, and then beyond that, the family. But, um, do I know who I am? No, I think, I think if I'm honest, looking you right in the eye now, I'd say I'm still pretty confused. I mean, it's clearer because I've been very honest about it. So I know that about, but I've known that about myself for a, a bit, a bit of time. However, um, no, I don't think I do. I think I'm probably just as my head's just as muddy as it was before. And everyone says, you know, you're going to now you're going to live your best life. Mm. Don't know what that means. I thought I was. Yeah, and I don't think that's a negative at all. I think it's actually um very freeing to not know because often I think when we think we know who we are, that is probably more to do with ego or probably more to do with labels we've given ourselves or roles that we play. And if you dare to strip all of that away, you are left with, well, who am I? And I think that's probably where you get curious and then start working out, what do I really want? You know, what what could really bring me joy in life rather than just the things we think we should be doing? So I don't think that's a negative at all. And I also don't think it's a negative to not know what you're doing next because like you said you know there's that wonder of what do I do next how do I live my best life how do you feel about free falling into that and not knowing Mm. well I mean I um I I, as I've pointed out I am a guilt ninja Mm. I mean that is my absolute best emotion I am I am best at that than anything um and people people have talked about and I did a lot of research and I read papers I read all sorts of studies and things um and shame was a you know was a big part of of I, the path that I knew I, I was gonna take um I don't feel that at all there's mm. no shame I'm, I'm proud of who I am I'm happy with who I am I'm not happy with what with the damage it causes I'm not happy with the upset that it causes and I and I am um I'm 
not happy about the guilt because it's it's i i am in this weird minefield that every step i take i could blow someone else up and that is the weirdest feeling you know and i've never you know i've never felt like that before um i've always been really careful with the girls when when we took them to school i never did anything embarrassing on the telly that would embarrass the girls until i could say the same (laughs) until they were old enough until then we could all have a laugh about it um and um and so i i you know, then suddenly you're doing this public thing that you can't do on your own, that you have to take your whole family with you. And you've got to then all find your levels, your, um, your, your, the way through. And the girls are lucky, so lucky. They've got the best boyfriends. They're so sweet, so supportive. So I'm happy for them. Obviously, you know, I worry about Steph. I worry about what this, what this does to all of us. And, and, you know, that's, that's an overriding factor, I think. Yeah. I just guess the, the the truth is always not more important but it's just the truth has to has to surface for everyone's happiness doesn't it not only for yours which mm. i think is that's probably where your guilt's coming from the fact that you think it's just about you revealing your truth but i think for everybody's happiness if we're all honest with ourselves and with others i think eventually that does lead ultimately to happiness for everyone i guess it's just you know where you're at during that process Mm. and I just think that's actually the girls are really lucky that that you've been that truthful because you're inspiring them to do the same that they will never have to live a life that isn't an honest life which I think is 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 really integral to to well-being and Mm. happiness well um we we talk a lot we all talk a lot which is important um and you know Steph and I talk a lot um uh, it, it's a it's a peculiar thing to 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 have to go through as a as a couple and then as an individual and people keep saying you know the truth sets you free well I never felt like I was in any way not free um, but you know then you begin to think well maybe you know maybe there is a, another door open but I'm actually too scared to actually to jump through it at the moment that's what Charlie Mackesy I, I love the fact that Charlie mm, Mackesy did him. my my illustration on the back of the book um, and took the words took, I mean it was amazing that he actually took my words but um, but I'm wearing new clothes and they don't quite fit but maybe mm. I'll grow into them and and there is that feeling that that that's an aspect of it as well is that I had before we all got locked down um, I had lunch with Michelle Visage and Incredible. Uh, how about that? already I love this story how about that and I said and she said how do you feel because she's one of those really compassionate kind people and um and oh, I've known her we've gone off for telly and all that sort of stuff and she was one of those people that messaged me and said the most amazing people messaged me and she said um right she said I'm going to take you out for coffee um we've got to talk I want to make sure you're okay and that's what a lot of people have said are you okay are you sure you're okay and we went out and I said, I'm, I feel like I've joined a club, but, you know, I don't know whether I've got the right credentials. I don't know, can I put a rainbow after stuff that I've said? And she said, of course you can. And I said, well, I, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what I can and can't do. Um, and she said, you, are, you know, you, you're beating yourself up for no reason. You know, welcome to the club. And what's more, you have made a massive difference to people who also didn't realise that they perhaps could have membership to that club. 
Um, and I was beginning to, you know, begin, okay, well, I understand that. I can begin to understand that, picking my way through. And then we got locked down. And that, that, was, the, <laughs> that was the beginning of all of those things. And thinking, mm. okay, 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 I begin to understand this. I'm beginning to find that little bit in my head through help. And I've had a lot of help. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, it is, it is just a case of colouring in all the bits. And when you say help, you, you're quite open in the book that you mm. have seen a therapist and still do see a therapist. I have uh, seen two um, psychiatrists and, uh, and a psychologist. And psychiatry is not for me. Um, um, and, but is for a great many people. But the way that works, uh, I didn't. I didn't necessarily get very much out of that. I just remember, and it's actually a story that I tell. But I, 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 your hour is up. I have stripped myself totally bare. I am weeping. My face is blotchy. Um, I, I've got red eyes, and your time is up. And the next thing you know, you're out on the street. Mm. And, uh, and I thought, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Um, and Tony, who also features quite a lot in the book, is my incredibly ever loyal driver. Uh, he's up the road. He doesn't know where I am, doesn't know what I'm doing. So he can't see me with a blotchy face. So I run around the corner. And I'm standing in a muse. And um, this guy comes up on a bike and stops and goes, hey, Phil, you've got to see Kinky Boots, mate. I'm in it. It's a great <laughs> show. Yeah, we'll do. No problem at all. And I thought, I don't know that this is for me. Mm, um, and because I was in such a mess. Yeah. But however, psychology is a whole different thing and that is that's not let me sit and listen to everything and you give me which i think psychiatry is psychiatry is you give me your answers let me you tell me everything and then you tell me what you think about what you've told me um and i i, I just wanted to just to help me yeah um whereas psychology is very much and certainly with the lady that i talk to is you know is about um, building me up it's about telling me that everything is going to be okay um, it's about um, my emotions and moods it's about spotting improvements do you realize that you just said this but when we spoke six weeks ago you would never have said that it's all of that and I found that much more inclusive it was almost as if my brain was actually allowed into the party where it was you know I, we, we were all there together type of thing mm. um, I feel a lot better about myself with psychology than I did with psychiatry but I, as I said that's just that's just me well I've had a very similar experience actually I I feel exactly the same and I've seen God countless therapists and all sorts of things over the years and and I what I've realized the most brilliant thing is there used to be again um, so much stigma around seeing a psychologist, a, a therapist, a healer, whoever, because that meant there was something wrong with you. And I now see it as the best gift ever. It's the most positive thing, whether you're in a good space or not, that you have someone completely trusted that you have an open dialogue with that inherently understands everything from, you know, your your mind and your story and can help piece that together. And I I just think it's it's a wonderful tool if if it's available to you. Well, to, I'm, a, to have I'm, it. A, I'm a big old cynic. Um, I was a big old cynic. You know, what can you tell me about myself that I don't already know? You know, I know myself inside out. I know my, I know my darkest parts of my head, which, you know, now uh, there they are. I mean, I, you know, it's out there. Um, what can you possibly tell me about myself? And then the greatest shock to me <laughs> was when she did mm. and said something that I thought, oh, I never thought of that before. Oh, my God, you're absolutely right. Yeah. 
Um, and I have, you know, they had this this awful vision, and she jokes about this this terrible vision I have of myself in the future. You know, sort of ab- absolutely alone, being eaten by my own dogs. Oh, no, that's quite extreme. <laughs> she said, uh, she said, I, mean, I haven't ever said that, but she's put put it into those words, and I, I because I, you know, the, everything is scary. Yeah. At this stage, everything yeah. is frightening, but she's just put it all in the right place. And as I point out, and and I'm at great pains to point out, if there is, you just said it then. You know, there was a time when, you know, you think, oh, I don't know whether this is, you know, the people who went to see therapists or healers or psychiatrists or psychologists was there is something wrong mm. now. No, no, no. Hold no. on a second. You have to go. You have to talk to someone. Mm. You have to talk to say there is something in your head that is tripping you up. You can't fix it on your own. No. You've got to talk to somebody. Mm. And, the, and that was the hardest thing for me was to admit actually i need to say this out loud it's not something that i can i can deal with myself yeah You've and got it's, to seek, seek help it's important to have someone also completely impartial i think where emotions aren't in any way affecting them and and you can have that that clarity with a stranger essentially who you build up a rapport with and, and build up trust with i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So let's talk about that that last chapter because from from the moment I started reading that chapter you could tell it was a complete roller coaster for you it's a roller coaster for the reader how did you get in a good headspace to be able to sit and and truthfully write what you have in the book I sat for a whole morning I knew it was coming I knew what was, you know, that you're getting there, you're getting there and you're going through the latter part of your life and you're telling your stories and all the stories your mates have said, you've got to put that in, you've got to put it in, that's the funniest thing. So putting all of that in and in the, in the distance, I could see it coming mm. and I knew I was going to have to get there and then, you know, this morning moves from the South Bank to Television Centre and I'm getting closer and closer and closer and then on the morning that, you know, that I I got there, I just opened the laptop and... And it was a beautiful sunny day. And I just looked at the cursor blinking on and off and thought, I don't I don't know how to do this. And in fact, the way I've written it is exactly how that yes. morning was. Mm. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to even begin this. Um, and then I went out for a walk and then I had three cups of tea and the cursor was still blinking and nothing was happening. And everything else had just fallen out of my head. And I just thought, you have to listen what you write here can be edited what you write here you can go back and change so just let it go and that was what I did I just thought right that's it that's it you know what you're writing here is not you're not saying it live on the telly you are this is not the version necessarily that you'll want to put out as it happens it it pretty much is Mm. Uh, there was very little change but I just thought right just do it yeah and I I did and you explain um, beautifully about the turmoil that you were in because of this sort of double-headed pop problem that was going on at the time. So you, you not only had the confusion around your sexuality and, and wondering what to do next and who you should tell or who you should speak to or when that might 
be you know the truth told publicly but also you had the press with their their eye on you and and making uh, false accusations about you false accusations about your relationship with Holly and you I think you've got so much dignity in the book how you talk about this because you you sort of say you know if you're in the public eye it's to be expected that the press will at one point focus on you and go for you. And I had to sort of sit back and question it because, you know, I've been in that position. I've had the press absolutely tear me apart to the point where I didn't know if I wanted to do the job anymore. And it definitely um, impacted me at a very vulnerable time anyway when I was feeling extremely low, extremely lonely and in a very, very dark place. And what I think is so fundamentally unhealthy is the fact that there's this expectation that people in the public eye should have this perfect life, stain-free, no problems, no confusion, no worry, no trauma. And that is essentially taking away the human element of someone because we've all got stuff going on. We're all flawed. We're all, we all have problems going on. And, and, I, and I wonder how how that impacted you mentally and, and how you found peace with it? Well, I have on the whole had a really good run with the press. They've been, you know, they've been, occasionally they'll, you know, they'll give you a bit of a battering, but, you know, it's generally deserved in some way or shape or form. We've done something wrong. All been hauled up, you know, been picked up, keeps our feet on the floor, you know. I'm, I'm fine with that. It's okay. I don't mind. Um, but... I think it was the fact that I couldn't understand why it was my turn. But even if I did understand why it was my turn, I didn't understand why it was so sustained. And it yeah. was sustained for months. Um, and it was, you know, Philip and Holly in bitter feud. And in fact, you know, Holly knew. I told her we were, I was sobbing on her shoulders, mm. you know, and we were picking our way through this. She was seeing me through the show. We were talking about it beforehand. And so it was such a weird juxtaposition, you know, with with fact and fiction that that this was actually all written down. And people were people. What is extraordinary is the fact that people are perfectly. You watch us every morning on the telly, yeah. yet you are prepared to believe that we're in a bitter feud. Just look at us. Mm. It's not possible. But anyway, she was dealing with me and looking after me and her, her incredible, wise, gentle mm. wisdom, which she has. And at the same time, we're allegedly in this. This bitter feud, which is fine. That's okay. That's the way the job goes. These things happen. However, and and as I've said, you know, people could quite rightly say, grow a pair. You have a great garden. You have a nice job. You've got lovely friends. You've got a nice car. What's the matter with you? You get a bit of a battering. Take it on the chin, mate. And I would say, yes, that is true. Apart from the fact this time it happened off the back of some other massive, great swirling tumultuous storm that was going on in my head and the two of them together that that was when it got dangerous that was yeah. that was a dangerous time you know taken in isolation they're both very big things sexuality is a much bigger thing than you getting a hard time in the press um, but it's but when you're in a vulnerable state which you were and which I was at the time many years ago you it that is very dangerous and we've seen how that can lead to the most utterly devastating outcomes and I I just think well what do I want to say fucking hell amazing that you got through it I mean mm. incredible that you got through it and and that you were still courageous enough to sit on live tv and and do such a raw interview and and put your heart out there I just you know 
impeccably done and and I'm and I really hope that 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 you know gave you some mental peace having that moment and being able to to you know on your show on your you know on your watch sit and and explain yourself to to everybody well it was um I mean, there's no aspect of that was funny, but um, but it was the fact that nobody knew what I was going to do, and it's it's uh, it is testament to the unbelievable friends that I've got, mm. who all knew what what I was going to do, um, and each one of them I told in the, at the right time. Oh my God, that explains why you're so thin. That explains why you're so upset. That explains why you look so sad. Not one of my friends said, "Oh, that's what yeah, we've always had our thoughts." No, I took everyone by surprise, and so. When I did that on the telly, um, nobody knew it was going to happen. I, I write all about the moment that my thumb pressed the button to, to release the statement. And then I went upstairs with Holly. And it was like a, a, the, the whole of, of our industry, and, and specifically we're talking about the press, just went, oh, shit, mm. what is this? And I think a few of them, one of the journalists who'd given me a bit of a hard time, um, and it's everybody's job, you know. I, I don't, I don't hold any bitter grudges, you know. That's the way it is. We yeah. all do our job. I'd hope it just be fair. Yeah, but be fair I, don't, and be kind. I don't, I don't, you know. Okay, so that's what you do. Actually, texted me. So she'd obviously had my number all the way through. Didn't text me to say, "Are you okay?" Didn't text me to check whether anything might be true that she was writing or they were writing. But nevertheless, she texted me and said at the end of it, uh, "I know we've had a bit of a." tricky time um uh, i'd love to build some bridges um and what you've done today has set the cause forward 10 years yeah um and that made me feel better um because that was coming directly from someone who'd actually given me quite a bit of a hard time mm. um but um but i i don't you see i don't hold grudges like that i um, it, it, life's too short i've discovered life is too short um i'd love everyone to be kind but you know we don't live in some sort of fairy tale and people aren't going to be kind um and not everyone is kind to me but most people are and that's all you can really ask for absolutely and you know you 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 had a a really dark time over new year just gone um with both of these things circulating in your head and you talk a lot about in the book these sort of loops that you that you run through in your head at night time and you you can't sleep and it's lots of thought processes going round and round um first of all what what cognitively was going on for you when you were in that dark place um principally and i described those loops as being you know there's there was one gig- there's one gigantic loop which is the your sexuality you know you have now got to the point where this has tripped you up so badly it's now hurting you um and the and the the fact that you that that only you and Steph know um is really hurting me mentally and beginning to cause me serious damage um and the the, the you know the, the newspaper stuff is all, all sort of secondary but the, what was an issue with the newspaper stuff was that what I had every single day dealing with the sexuality in my head every single day I had the safety of work the, the work that I think, you know, if you've read, you read through the book, you can see how much I love my job. Completely. Right from the word go. I just am so passionate about what I do and the people I meet and the shows that I do and the smell of a studio and all of that. So, so passionately love it. And that was what I was holding on to. The anchor was walking with Holly every morning from the 
makeup room downstairs up to the studio put it all on the back burner put the or your whole world your life on the back burner and do your job and go live to on the telly and and listen to the talk back in your ear and mm. you know all of the things that we do and then that rug got pulled out from underneath my feet my one safety net the one safe place that i had other than obviously hugging steph but at work it was a safe place and it just was dragged off and that was tough because mm. mm. you have nowhere to go you know you yeah. suddenly if you haven't got that then you know where's where does your head settle mm. where, what do you cling to what do you hold on to and everything else was like quicksand everything else was shifting and the loops were so massive in my head that I thought I don't I, I've got nothing to hold on to here yeah. and that's when I thought I am in a in a very dark place I'm in a very dangerous place here now and, and Steph was incredible um uh, and so you know calming uh knowing the 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 turmoil that you know that was going on she was so calming Mm. um so you know i think that was that was what was going through my head at christmas and new year i mean i've been there i totally know those feelings and it's um it's horrific and there'll be many people listening to this who will have absolutely been there and it's a pit of despair and, and you feel like you might not come out of it what were your first positive steps to make change, to to shift, to get into a, a new space and, and to not feel you, that you were in that sort of heaviness? Just start deciding I had to, that the decision I had to make. Yeah. That was the biggest one. Mm. This is what you have to do. And that's the loop. You know, the loop is, one of them, um, is, um, is you have to come out. You have to come out. It's the only thing that can save you. You have to come out. You can't come out. You can't come out. What are you going to do to the family? What will you do to your wife? What, what, how can you possibly come out? You have to come out. You can't come out. You have to. You can't. All night, all night, round and round and round and round, looking at every conceivable part of this loop, playing it round and round. How can I make it work? How can I make it work? Yes, you, I'm sure you can make it work. If you talk about it, you can make it work. You can't make this work. No one can make this work. You can't be married for 27 years and make this work. You can't, you can't do this without hurting everybody. But what about me? If I don't, if I don't do this, then I, I, all I hurt is myself. M- maybe, you know, maybe really seriously. Um, and so, you know, that's what goes around and round and round and round and round. And you, and you get up in the morning and it's going around whilst you're having a shave and you, you get in the shower and it's still going around in your head when, when you're having, uh, having a shower. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I get in the car, I write a script. Um, I'm writing the notes for my interviews. And, 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 and there's the other part of my head, you know, what you're trying to concentrate on this is saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I just thought, I have to, yeah. if only to shut you up. Yeah. If only to shut that up, I have to do this. And that was the beginning of it. When, you know, we, we talked it through at home. And this is what I'm going to do. Okay. Okay. You know, um, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy for, you know, for any of us. But it, it, it made a couple of the loops quieter. Um, and it's, it's not now as... Uh, bleak as it was i mean i it was bleak but it's not now i mean i i have a, a great relationship with everybody um i talk to steph a lot you know see each other a lot so you know it's um i think it's yeah it's it's a case of well i think i, I mean i've said you know you 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 have to talk these things out and you have to hope that the you know you've got to know that the people who love you love you for a reason 
They love you because you're worth loving. That's why. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, and I guess also that nothing is linear. You know, we, we sometimes talk about mental health like, I felt like this and then I felt great. And it's this sort of ascent to just finding that balance and that perfection. I think it's actually really important, like you discussed in the last chapter, that it's a wiggly line. There's moments where you do feel lighter and better and there are moments where you're still figuring it out. And and you mentioned in the book that your mental health is still work in progress, very much the same here. Um, Where would you say you're at with that today? Um, I am, uh, it's a lovely sunny day, you know, I'm sitting with one of my mates. Um, admittedly the trains are a little noisy. <laughs> However, that's the only negative. Um, how, what I'm, how I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm suddenly, I'm suddenly seem to be a lot more interesting than I ever used to be. I pedaled here on my bike with a pap. <laughs> the pap was behind me taking All pictures. All three of us cycled here, by the way. Is that today? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's good. good. To know. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I, but I've never, you know, I, I don't, the paps aren't bother with me. And then suddenly they are. Um, and so, you know, other than that, but then I thought, how do you feel about that? And you think, okay, it's all right. You feel okay. You're okay. It's okay. So how, how, how am I? I'm, I am, I would say I am more okay than I've been for a while. Work is my, um, wonderful sanctuary. Um, Holly throughout lockdown, I mean, it was the most bizarre thing to do a live tv show during that and have you know the nation sitting there going thank god you're still here because you know if it wasn't for you we'd all go mad and at least we've got something normal happening but to do that show um and because good morning britain and this is sort of technical stuff you'll cut this out but um (laughs) lorraine is normally in her own studio lorraine was sitting on the good morning set good morning britain set and they're next door to us they're behind our view so we share a studio so that meant that that studio it didn't become ours until they went off air so we had four minutes of a commercial break for that studio to become ours so our lights didn't go on until the they came off air and we had four minutes the cameras came on the lights came we're sitting in the dark about to do a live show and there were times when we all looked at each other and just went what the fuck are we doing here what is is this And then, you know, then you'd laugh and then you set off on a show that you weren't entirely sure what we were going to do, but, and it all came together. That was amazing. That time was amazing. And, um, I got my rug back, you know, I I, I got my feet back under the desk. I felt okay. I'm solid in my job. We're doing a good thing. Uh, and that helped me enormously, Mm. massively. Um, and so that made me more than okay. Um, and the rest of it you just pick through on a daily basis. That's it. It's day to day, isn't it? It's moment to moment. None of us really know what's going to happen anyway. As this year has jolly well proved, none of us have a clue no. what's going on. And again, the a remarkable thing that I felt reading the book was that all through this mental torment, you you managed to get to work every day, bar one day, mm. to do what you set out to do. I definitely can't say the same, but you... You, you didn't allow that mental torment to cross over. You could almost compartmentalise in your head, this is now work time, and then at home, privately, you would, you would be in turmoil. How, how, I mean, that must have been a draining situation to keep having to sort of switch from, this is me at work, and then at home, this is something else going on. Well, it was draining in the fact that no one other than Holly knew. Yeah. So that was draining because... 
everyone, all the people that I work with, and we have got our glam squad who, you know, lovely Susie does my makeup and David who does my clothes. Uh, editor Martin Frizzell, who is, you know, the most amazing and lovely guy. All our whole team just thought I was really ill. Mm. I mean, seriously ill. Uh, I was losing weight. I was thin. I was just staring into the mirror. Um, and I mentioned Gino DeCampo. I'm in a commercial break. I'm, uh, I had no idea that I'd caught his, caught his attention until he tapped me on the shoulder and said, what is it? What's the matter? I said, what? He said, you've been standing in the middle of the studio, staring at your feet for three and a half minutes. What's the matter? What are you thinking? What is in your head right now? So I said, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And he went back behind his kitchen and did the universal sign for give me a call, talk to me, which I didn't. Um, and so, uh, you know, got all of that going on. And I think it was the worry of the worry of other people that was a bit unsettling. I knew they were all worried and mm. I couldn't not do it. I couldn't be jokey and jovial. I wasn't jokey and jovial in the makeup chair. I was just a bit quiet. Phil's a bit quiet. He's looking a bit thin. And so when it came to telling the people that I had to tell, they all said to, to a man and a woman, oh, thank God, I thought you were dying. Yeah. And Martin, Martin Frizzell said, is that all? <laughs> so I said, yes, that's it. He said, dang, fuck, I thought you were dying. No, 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 that, that, no, that's all. Oh, thank God. Mm. And there was a lot of that. Is that all? You know, people thought that I was, you know, on my way out. You talking to your mum made me actually really chuckle. Yes. <laughs> my mum. <laughs> oh, my God. It's only your mother can come out with something that is totally left field. I have these, um, I have these floaters in my... They drive me mad. And I'm, I think I'm about to... Maybe in the October half term, finally, I've managed, we might have managed to find a way to get rid of them. But these floaters which just drift... I, I, my, my world, I just constantly look like I'm looking through a dirty bathroom window. Oh, God. That's my view on the world. I said they're, they're annoying, but, but that's it. Nothing more than annoying. And I had to go and tell my mum. At Christmas, she had, um, or before Christmas, she pulled me over to one side and she said, what's the matter? Um, I said, no, nothing. I'm fine. She said, don't lie to me. I know there's something wrong. She, I can see you're skinnier than you ever are. You know, you, you've got a drawn look on your face. You look worried. You look sad. What's the matter? No, nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And, um, and so when the time came to tell her, I thought, well, I can't drive down to Cornwall because I don't know that I'm, I can concentrate enough. So I asked Tony to drive me and he never says a word, obviously didn't, didn't ask why I was going to Cornwall for no good reason. Driving down and then driving back on the same day. We stopped off and we got some fish and chips and I took them to my mum's and she knew I was coming. And, um, and I sat down and we got, we're looking at Fistral Beach out of her window and that's the beach where I'd done the Radio 1 Roadshow and so much of my life was on that beach and here I am sitting with my mum and about to tell her what I'm about to tell her and um, I said mum I've got something really big to say and she said okay that's alright that's okay doesn't matter everything's fine what's the matter I said I I'm gay and she said oh oh thank god I thought you were going blind <laughs> Blind? Blind? Why the hell did you think I was going blind? She said, well, your floater thing. I said, no. no. Oh, but that must have just been like a 
big sigh of relief. Mm. Thank you, Mum, yeah. for coming out with that absolute winner. Yeah, and she and she's proved to be the most thoroughly modern eighty-four-year-old. How are you doing? Let, how's this? You know, what are you thinking? Let, let's talk mm. about it. Everything's going to be okay. Mm. You know, so the, the, people surprise you the most. And I've said that. I say that in there. You know, if you have something like this that is burrowing into your brain, yeah. then you never know. And I, kn- I'm fully aware that there are some families that do that. The reaction is not like this, um, and that is a. a great sadness to me is that not everyone's going to get the reaction that I got but um, I was lucky um, and even if it's one member of your family you can talk to that you can trust if there's someone there you can bounce off someone and then you know it, d- it doesn't necessarily always have to be a trained therapist that you talk to if you just talk to your best mate talk to someone you yeah. can trust but I was lucky that I could talk to my I could talk to my family and I could talk to my mum. Yeah. You know, what it, a thing. It, it's so often the case that you build something up in your head and, you know, like you've discussed with the loops that are just constantly going and many people have experienced this and you think of the worst possible outcome of what people are going to say and think and it's so rarely the case. Mm. And actually, often the things that you're the most terrified to say are the most connective. People feel, you know, especially in the position you're in, having such a huge public following you've now inspired, you know, thousands of people and and connected them and you're more connected to them. So often we think these are the things that alienate us. Like for me, it was depression, panic attacks down the line. This makes me, you know, different to everybody else, whatever. No, this has made me more connected to people in a, in a deeper way. I think, have you, do you, oh, have definitely. you experienced that? Well, I was, I was terrified of, uh, after, after the event and Holly's amazing uh, interview on the sofa, um, and then I went back home and I sat with the girls and Steph that evening and we're all, you know, sort of thinking, right, okay, my phone was alight with people going, oh my God, you're amazing. And like friends, friends yeah. who had no clue. Um, oh my God, this is incredible. This is incredible. You know, what you've done today is, you know, you're a legend and all of those sort of things. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, picking up those sort of pieces and being that evening with the girls and Steph was lovely, but I knew that I had to, I had to sort of go out and be this person now you know I, I'm still me and there's no there's actually no difference whatsoever to the me that walks outside and goes into a shop but I was still scared when I did and I went into a card shop and I bought a card and the lady behind the counter said this is like a day after she said um are you okay and I'd never seen this lady before in my life and I said yeah yeah it's gonna make me cry <laughs> um she said are you okay so I said yeah I am I am okay and she said good that's the most important thing anyway I walked to the door and a very elegant uh, elderly lady who was incredibly smart and very sharp um, grabbed my shoulder and I thought oh shit here we go this is the one thing I was terrified about is going to happen in the doorway of a, sh- of a card shop and uh, and I thought she's going to give me a hard time I'm not, I'm not going to be what she expected me to be and she just, this very elegant, sharp lady said, Ah, it's you. So I said, yes. Well done. Well done. And I said, oh, thank you. And she said, I can't tell you the, the good you've done. I can't tell you the amount of lives you have saved. Mm-hmm. You are a remarkable man, and thank you. And she just, and she, I said, thank you. And I was in tears. And she walked off down the street. And that's actually been pretty much what it was. Mm. I walked through Borough Market um, and people were just hugging me. 
and saying, oh my God, you're amazing. You're amazing. What an incredible thing to do. You know, you're so brave. You're so brave. And I was just getting random hugs from people. Mm. Um, I think that's what I miss the most, you know, in the world that we now live in. I know. Is because I had this, this, this window, this sort of three, three or four weeks of, of be getting used to it with kindness and people were kind. Um, and then, you know, then we all went in, you know, mm. but I had, I had, I had a few weeks of kindness and then, but people are still lovely now. People are, you know, as I said, social media can be a brutal place yeah. as we well know. Uh, and that, that is brutal. Um, but on the whole, people are really very kind mm. and, and the reaction from that lady and the lady who sold me the card has been, you know, thankfully pretty much what I've had. People love celebrating the truth, don't they? We all carry baggage around with us and secrets and things that we feel we can't say aloud and it's a bit of a snowball effect isn't it one person or a domino effect rather one person you know says something very meaningful and and truthful and other people feel compelled to do the same it's 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 a really beautiful thing um it's so interesting looking at how you've led your life so to me you are what I would call like a super manifester, you know, you put that thing out there and it happens, you know, from like you saying, when you're on Fistral Beach and you, you're at the Radio One Roadshow and you're the guy up on the stage saying, hey, I'm, this is me and I'm kicking things off here on my home turf. And, you know, that's, a, it's a really unusual and amazing quality to have. And, and you've done that consistently, you know, your whole career, every dream that you've had, you've, you've worked hard and, but you've really focused on that and, and you've made it happen. And I guess, I know I'm just sat here thinking now maybe some of the that sort of uncertainty you have now is because you don't know what that next bit might look like and before you've perhaps been so sure as what as to what it might look like yeah I think that's I think you've put your finger directly on it is Mm. that is that the the, there's always been I've always you know sort of as far as career is concerned there's been a single path you know and as far as fatherhood and being a husband there was always there was always a you know a very clear path until Suddenly there wasn't, not suddenly, gradually, there wasn't a clear path. And the path got a little bit confused and I didn't quite understand what the path was. And then the path suddenly wasn't there at all anymore. Um, and so, you know, then you're, then you're walking through a Charlie Mackesy wilderness. You're walking through the storm. Um, but you've got the people with you um, who are, you can hold on to. And then, then off now, suddenly, you know, Maybe, maybe I can see the beginnings of a path in front of me that you know that I can I can map out what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't know what my future is. I don't know what it's going to be. I know that I I know that we all love each other. I know that we're all incredibly close. Um, I know that I don't want to hurt anyone any more than I've already hurt them. But I also know that you know we are us four, but you know the same but different. Um, and I, and we're finding our way. Um, I, I am still very much finding my, my way as to what's expected of me, um, what I should do. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not rushing out and, you know, yeah, here we go. You know, suddenly sort of singing some great gay anthem. I'm not, I'm not doing that. (laughs) You know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, it's, it's all happening slowly. Yeah. And that's the right thing to do day by day, day by day. Um, Philip, God, I thank you so much for being part of this conversation and thank you for writing your beautiful book that, as I said, I couldn't put it down, but also it's going to change a lot of lives. It's going to help so many people. Um, I hope so. Thank you. Thank you. 
Oh, thank you, Philip. Thank you so much. I I loved, loved, loved that conversation and I feel really honoured to have been part of it. It's really... I just appreciate Philip being so honest. It was lovely. His book, Life's What You Make It, is available now and I read it in two days. You can't put this book down. It's insane. If this is your first dip into Happy Place, welcome along. I love you already. Hello. Please do take a look through our other episodes. I'd recommend scrolling all the way down to Dawn French right at the start, which we recorded in her house in Cornwall. It was so beautiful. You can subscribe for free to hear new shows every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your Google or Amazon device. Thanks again, Philip, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio, and to you lot. I love you. I really do, and I'll see you next week. 